Welcome to the Voices of Valor, the podcast by and men, by and for the men of the Legion of Valor in the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois. The Legion of Valor is a brotherhood of Catholic men committed to growth in holiness through the perfection of virtue and cooperation with God's grace, with a shared mission of forming Christian disciples, first in our homes, then in our parishes and communities. I'm Mike Christie, host of the Voices of Valor podcast, member of Bishop Proprocki's leadership team in the offices of the Springfield Diocese. I'm joined by our co-host, Father Dominic Rankin, Bishop Proprocki's Master of Ceremonies, Priest Secretary, member of the diocesan staff and chaplain of the Legion of the Valor, and by the way, today proud wearer of yak tracks. Indeed, I've yeah. put them to use. My parents gave them to me for Christmas, and there's these, there are these cool... Oh, these are new. Yeah, they're brand new. Awesome. Ru- they're like rubber and steel things you strap on the bottom of your shoes and... Yeah, so I don't know uh, if any of our listeners remember the days of chains on tires. Yeah, you know, like remember, you know, I remember my my dad used to put the snow tires on the car like a certain time of year, and you know, and then if you really wanted to step it up, I grew up in New England, so you know, we got a lot of snow, and you'd put chains on the the tires. Yeah, Yeah, so it's kind of like chains on the on the tires for running. Every once in a while, when you're up in the mountains, you still see the signs. They're like, from here on out, chains. Put some chains on there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh, last episode, I believe it was raining, if I remember correctly, uh, and you were running in the rain. Yep. Today it's snowing. It's you're snowing. running in the snow. Yep. You, you're like the postal service for, for fitness. Rain, sleet, I, snow. Yeah, any, any weather any, at all. I'm apt to complain about it when I'm out there. <laughs> all right. Well, today's episode, we ha- we're joined by Steve Markle. Uh, we are excited to dig into this one. Steve is a father of five grown children, proud grandfather of 15. After a long successful career, Steve sold his business at age 50 and devoted his time entirely to cultivating virtuous own family and helping other families do the same through Families of Character, the organization he and his wife founded in 2009. Steve, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me join you. I appreciate your invitation. You bet. I could have probably shortened a lot of your bio to just say, um, you know, the Markle clan led by Steve is three pews deep. Is that a fair? (laughs) That'd be an accurate statement, too. It's fun to see when they all uh, are in church. And uh, so five five grown children at this point, all practicing the faith, all married, uh, and a whole bunch of grandkids. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Those grandkids keep me going. I walk in the door, and they want to immediately beat me up. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. What a gift. Um, So, Steve... We've had the chance to dig a little bit. You know, we had some some background. Actually, Father Dominic and, and Carlos Tejeda here on our staff had done some work with your uh, family's character uh, curriculum, which I, we'll get to uh, probably in the in the kind of second chapter of this podcast. But you know, having a little bit of background, um, it, it strikes me that uh, your development of families of character and what you're doing there comes a little bit from a school of hard knocks, trial and error, um, and a lot to do with your own experience in raising your five kids. And, you know, I've heard you talk about it. Maybe I'll tee it up this way and and let you speak to it a little bit. Kind of your discovery of what you sometimes call the cancer that's killing our kids, right? And so you you kind of observed that, you know, had, had some experiences that opened your eyes to what was happening as you were raising your kids and trying to do the right things and, and starting to see some struggles. Can you maybe jump in and, and talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, things to talk about there, so let me keep it brief, and if you want more information, I'd be glad to go deeper. Uh, but one, of the, one of the things as a father and husband, I could say, you know, I grew up in this family of Catholic mom and dad, <clears throat> business owners, and I thought my primary objective, you know, as a, as a father and husband was just to solely to raise and, and you know, so supply the funds for the support of the family. 
And although that's important, I realize through the school hard knocks that it's not my primary uh, function as a husband and father. It's really to be a husband and father first and foremost. But, you know, the, uh, funding that and raising, you know, or providing the, the um, kind of the resources is secondary. And as a part of that, because of that, I was outsourcing my child's um, development to the schools. My kids went to some of the best Catholic schools in the country. Uh, from kindergarten all the way through college, I outsource their faith formation to the church, even though my wife and I say the daily rosary, go to daily mass, I was traveling, and so we were kind of just taking the church. We really weren't forming them. And then I was outsourcing their character formation to the sports programs, and mm. I think every parent or every man can relate to this, right? We put our job first, and we outsource everything else, especially when it comes to our children's development. And what I really realized is I can't outsource my child's uh, development of faith and morals uh, because there's no organization that cares about my kids' faith and morals. Mm. I do. But so if I'm going to outsource it, they're not going to stick with it. They're, they're going to do what I do as a, as a father and as a man. Well, there's so a, that one, there's a few things right there, Steve, that kind of strike me. Number one is, you know, and we, Father Dominic and I on this podcast have already talked about this a bunch, but the idea that often something good, a good, you know, virtuous inclination that we have as men, start, you know, it starts from a good place, but maybe kind of goes the wrong direction, goes too far, gets unbridled. One of the things you highlighted that I know is a big deal for a lot of fathers is, you know, our role as provider, right? That is a virtuous, noble, you know, that is 100% a part of who we're called to be. But, you know, there's this temptation, especially given how concrete and measurable that aspect of our, you know, vocation of fatherhood is, to just get tunnel vision on it. Is that... We do. I mean, yeah. that's by our very nature. We, we, we get our accomplishment feedback through work. So mm -hmm. we think we just bury ourselves in work. And by the way, that's my obligation as a husband and father. Then everything's going to be fine. And it's a massive mistake because we're losing the souls of our children. Because, again, we're outsourcing that to somebody else. And no organization cares about my kids like I care about my kids. And by the way, it's a mistake. I didn't intentionally try and do that, right? I mean, ultimately, like you said, I learned from the school of hard knocks. Here's the problem with doing that when you're outsourcing their development to some organization, school, church, sports program, right? Culture forms them. Mm. And so this, and what happens is um, it's, it's, our culture is full of moral relativism. There is no absolute truth. Moral relativism means there is really no absolute truth, that everything's a shade of gray, right? And so um, you get their peer pressure. Their peers are forming them, and their peers are coming from families, even though they're going necessarily, even to Catholic school doesn't mean their families are formed well in understanding the dogmatic teachings of the church and why they're important. So your kids are getting confused even by going to Catholic schools uh, because they're being formed by this, these, uh, what I would call this moral relativism, there is no absolute truth. And that's what we saw happening with our kids, even when they were becoming adolescents. They were coming home, and what we were teaching, they were, they were kind of pushing back on the things that we were teaching, which were from the church, you know, mm -hmm. which are objective truth. Um, but that's what happens when you begin to outsource your child's development to somebody else, right? Uh, these institutions form their intellect and even their will, which ultimately leads to the decline in not only the child, but you as a family. Sure. I wonder if, uh, Steve, the thing that comes to my mind is perhaps if it's um, us as men and fathers are apt to, at least at this time in history, kind of prioritize our kingly role and forget about yeah. the prophetic and the priestly role of being that you know, in between between God and our children, that, that icon of God the Father and that, you know, um, the one who, who speaks with something of God's authority and something of God's truth uh, to bring that truth, that, that uh, grace, that 
moral character um, to those that are entrusted to our care. And I wonder if it's it's easier or more comfortable to sort of stick with the kingly aspect, you know, the protective and the providing and the, you know, going out on campaign and, and you know, coming back with the goods that are needed to, to take care of the kingdom, but uh, kind of forgetting the the uh, reality back home, the most important and most essential part of that um, kind yeah. of fatherly role. No, you said that well. I love that uh, priest, prophet, and king, right? We do focus way too much on the kingly side and not the, the you know, prophet and um, and. Um, uh, priest, prophet, and king. So the uh, priest and prophet side. What's interesting to me is, you know, I ask men, and I do a lot of work with men, and one of my questions to them is, what defines you? Hmm. Because what what defines you is ultimately going to define your success. And this is there's a lot to this comment. And what defines your success is going to define you. So if I define my success through work, and then, um, you know, after years and years of marriage and relationship, that's going to deteriorate because I'm, I'm letting my work define me. Right, so uh, that's what well, I've defined as success, and is now going to crater my marriage and relationship. Mm. So, am I really successful, or do I put my do I define my success in material goods? Right. So, if I, if I define myself as a son of God, where God's number one in my life, and you know, by the way, let me kind of back up too, because I hear a lot of men say, you know, I'm just trying to achieve balance in my life with my family, and my kids. Ah, good I luck. <laughs> yeah, I can save you a lot of time. Quit trying now. It's impossible. <laughs> you know, I can't spend eight hours at work or 10 hours at work and come home and spend 10 hours with my wife and 10 hours with each one of my kids. It's just impossible, right? I do have to work, and I can sanctify my work, too. That's a prayer. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I can have harmony in my life, and how do I do that? Well, if God's at the center of my work, he's at the center of my relationship with my wife and my children, my grandchildren, then I have harmony in my life because there's no such thing as balance. But I can have harmony because what's at the center of all of those things is God. And see, that that's one of the primary things we get parents to focus on first is orderliness. And mm-hmm. order has three types of virtues. is one, showing up on time, putting things away, but prioritizing things correctly. Mm-hmm. Again, I can't, I can't be successful and happy as a father or a husband or any part of my life if I get disordered. Mm-hmm. Right? So if, if I'm putting work first, yeah. I'm disordered. Yeah. So if I put God first, I'm ordered. Well, then my marriage is going to be better because, you know, I've got God first, and now I understand where my wife fits relative to that and my children, my grandchildren, right? I don't put my grandkids or my kids above my wife, or I don't put my wife above God. Well, so and Steve, living, Steve to, that point, to that point, I want, to, I want to zero in on, you know, tie this back to something else you said and something I've heard you, you talk about, which is when you misprioritize that, you know, back to this idea of maybe I overemphasize the kingly role, maybe I, maybe I define myself in worldly terms based on, you know, career and, and work and those sort of things. One thing that strikes me, and I've heard you talk about this, is I'll also do that in terms of how I raise my kids, in terms of what matters in their development. Yeah. So you, oh. you use the phrase outsource the, de- the development, but, you know, I can also kind of overfocus on their success, their achievement, their intellectual development at the expense of other things. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. By the way, I love this uh, educator. My wife and I hired this educator 25 years ago to speak to a group of uh, parents, and he was a Catholic educator out of the East Coast. And he uh, stood up and said, uh, his, kind of a gesture of his talk was the fact that folks, you know, uh, and by the way, he's written several parent books. He said, you're spending way too much time and money emphasizing your children's grades at the expense of not developing their moral character. He said, teach your kids character or virtue, and they'll be successful no matter what they do. Well, what a profound comment. Mm. What he's really saying is, if you teach your kids virtue, they're going to be more successful in life than if you just push their grades. Now, 
I, I, we're in a culture where it pushes grades right above everything else. And he's saying it's cratering your kids and your families. You're losing your families over this. And he's exactly right. We're so focused on our kids' intellect, we forgot to form their will. And the will is going to have much more impact on our kids and how they're success long-term, right? By well, the way, so... Yeah, that that also, Steve, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it goes back to something else you said earlier that I want to amplify, which is, you know, your, the activities, the sports, you know, when you talk about intellect and will and character, to the extent, if you're outsourcing their formation, you're focused on their achievement and all that, they're going to be involved in all these things. That's one of the things as a father of five myself, I see as just the, you know, the, the activities, you know, the things that the kids are, are involved in and what athletics have become at much, much younger ages, um, you know, very competitive achievement oriented and, and all that. There's a combination of two things there that you mentioned earlier that I want to highlight here. One is the time that they spend there versus potentially with you or in your family uh, with their character and their will and, and virtues being formed. The other thing is the, you know, throw into that mix smartphones, technology, mm. social media. You had mentioned their kind of peer pressure, they're being formed by their friends and all that. It's not just their friends interpersonally, it's all the other stuff that their friends are exposed to and everything that's happening in the technology. Do you think that's fair? Oh, absolutely. You know, everything, the external influences of the world are forming my children and my grandchildren, or, or I'm sorry, I should, I should say they formed my children and, my, and now my grandchildren. Because, again, I was outsourcing their development to, to an organization, a school, a church, or a sports program, right? I'm outsourcing that. So that's what's forming them. Now, the case of the church, it's good, but they don't own the faith because I didn't own it. I mean, I was just taking the mass. That's all they saw. Was, uh, even though they, I practiced that daily, I was traveling Monday through Thursday. So mm. they didn't see me living my faith on a daily basis. They just saw me on a Sunday going to mass. Right now, I was taking them to the sports because I was outsourcing their development so absolutely, the, everything external now becomes their influence. Everything was, external. Was there a, um, Stephen, light of that comment you just made, you're traveling a bunch, you know, you're, you're gone Monday through Thursday. Was there a moment at which something, something shifted that, something changed? Was there, you, you mentioned, you know, this educator that came in and talked. Was there something else that kind of made you shift your focus? Well, I, yeah, I sold my business. It's, well, well yeah, that right helps. Around, <laughs> 50 years old. <laughs> I, I, what led up to my selling my business, I, I was meeting with my I was a spiritual director. I'm meeting with them. I was kind of frustrated about my kids, right, that they weren't really taking life seriously. And, you know, I worked for my father, who was a small business owner. They weren't taking life seriously. And I kind of brought it to my spiritual director, Father, I'm just so frustrated with my kids, you know. I, you know, and I just had sold my business. I said, I'd give it all back. I just want kids to go to heaven. He said, well, Steve, quit talking, quit talking to them about their faith. I said, well, Father, maybe you didn't understand the question. I want to come back to the church. That seems odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, how would, if I'm not going to talk about their faith. How are they coming back? He said, Steve, they're educated in the Catholic Church from kindergarten to college. They went to the best Catholic institutions in the country. He said, you and your wife go to daily mass. You say the rosary, and you, you've been a great example. Steve, between those two things, if your kids don't get it, there is no hope for anybody. And I thought, wow, Father, that's true. Well, why aren't they going to Mass then? Uh, they should be going daily. You're right. I've never, I mean, now you echo that back to me. That makes sense. He said, Steve, you formed their intellect. You didn't form their will. Mm. He said, I said, he, and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, what time do they get up? I said, I don't know, nine to noon. They're in high school and college. You know, he said, I said, my kids are like most kids. He said, yeah, your kids are like most kids. They're lazy, they're selfish, and they've got to be in <laughs> Ouch. Straight to the heart. Yep. Ouch. He just nailed it. I said, Father, 
that's what bothered me. I couldn't put my finger on it. You just nailed it. My kids are selfish, lazy, and have to be entertained, and I've caused that. My kids, see, my kids are a reflection of me mm-hmm. and what I've done, right? It's not my kids. We don't. We blame kids today for things. We should be blaming ourselves. Mm-hmm. We created this. I created my kids, mm-hmm. not anybody else. I can't put. I can't put that else on anybody else. I created the problems in my family. Anyway, so this was really hit me. I said, if I, he said, Steve, teach your kids natural virtue. They'll come back to the church. So you you got great kids. I did that. I ran home to my wife, said, honey, I had an epiphany. I'd like to try something. When my kids call a problem, you can't respond with it to an adolescent or adult with, you know, the, you know, uh, the truth, because they go to the other direction. But let's go back to it. Let's do some research on what virtue they're not living and come back to them with that as a solution and see what happens. Within nine months, the kids came back to church. They started getting married. Now they're all married. They don't have time to be lazy, selfish, or entertaining. <laughs> but I got to tell you, it's interesting. You know, Father and Mike is they. We have the closest family. They all live in ten minutes. We get together all the time. Why? I think it was uh, uh, Father Cormac Burke and their, uh, Aristotle. I think Thomas Quinn said the deepest level of friendship is a friendship of virtue shared in common. Mm-hmm. My kids are my best friends. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we share virtue in common. So that virtue. that. You know, that pivot that you just made, uh, I want to leave that as a cliffhanger. There's a whole bunch more, but I, I think we want to unpack that, and I think we want to do it justice, and we're out of time. So what I'd like to do, Steve, if you're up for it, is we'd like to have you come back for another episode and unpack that statement. You know, so how, you know, you just described what every father wants yeah. for his kids, right? Yeah. You just described every father's frustration and a gap of nine months in between something happened. We want to hear about that if you'll come back. Yeah, I'd love to tell you right. more. Excellent. That's Father, right. would you send us forth with your blessing? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we turn to you, the origin, the source of all fatherhood, and we ask you to continue to open our hearts to your truth, to your love, to the way that you ask us to be icons of you in our world. We pray for the grace of courage, in our own hearts, and for grace and virtue in our own families, and we entrust them to your care. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Onward, brothers. And upward.